We're in the book of Colossians, okay? Now, Colossians is a, is a book in which uh, what happens is the guy by the name of Epaphras uh, comes to um, one of Paul's meetings, probably in Ephesus. He gets saved. He goes back to his hometown in Colossae, um, and he leads a lot of people to Christ. And out of that, a little church develops. And so when you read the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians is written to the church that was at Colossae. Paul had never been to Colossae. He had never met these people. But he knew Epaphras. And what happened was Epaphras is in this church. It's starting out, starting to grow. Things are going along fine. And some Greek people get saved. And some Jewish people get saved. And when they get saved, they go, you know what? It just seems to me that this whole Christian thing is too simple. There ought to be more to it. So the Greek people started pulling from their philosophies and their teachings, and they said, you know, it just seems like, you know, if you're really going to be a Christian, you've got to have like this deeper life knowledge kind of thing. And so they started coming to the church saying, well, you've got to do this and know this and know this and know this. The, the, the Jewish people came in, and they got saved, and they said, you know, it just seemed really simple to us. I think we needed some of the stuff that came from our religion. So they started coming in going, you know, you need to be circumcised, and you've got to keep the feast days, and, and you've got to keep the Sabbath, and you've got to do this and this and this. And, and the church started struggling a little bit. Well, Epaphras, who's kind of the guy who started this thing, heads a thousand plus miles up to Paul, who's in Rome and, and kind of under house arrest, and he goes, Paul, we've got a problem. And so Paul writes this letter to this church that he's never been to. And Paul is going to try to help straighten some stuff out. So that's why the book is written. And we talked about last week, we talked about the idea that Paul starts off right off the bat by saying, look, you need to grow. You're Christians, you need to grow. Now what Paul's going to do is he's going to start to address some of the issues. And one of the first things that Paul's going to talk about, actually the, the passage we're looking at this morning, there's actually it's actually... One big passage, but I'm breaking it up into two because he deals with two different ideas, all right? And this morning we're going to look at one, and then next week we'll look at the other one. But basically, here's what Paul's going to start with. He's going to start with the idea that, look, you need to understand that Christ is the most important thing. Now, they, they were denying the deity of Christ, both aspects were. They were adding stuff to salvation. So Paul's going to first start off right off the bat about Jesus as creator and what that means. And then he's going to talk about Jesus as Redeemer, and we'll talk about that next week. But so this morning, this is where we are. We're talking about the idea of Jesus as supreme, the supremacy of Christ. Now, you're looking at me going, the supremacy of Christ. Really? You're going to spend, you're going to spend the next 20 minutes talking about the supremacy of Christ? Don't you understand? I go to work tomorrow, and it's not going to be that big a deal? Oh, no, 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 no. It's going to be a really big deal. And I think when, you're, when we're done this morning, you're going to come to understand that, you know what? If you're really going to grow in Christ, the first thing you have to wrestle with is the supremacy of Jesus Christ in your life. It is the crux around which everything else is going to, is going to go. And I think when you walk out of here this morning, it's going to help you handle and, and work through some of the stuff that you deal with on a regular basis during the week. So, with that in mind, I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we're going to go through it verse by verse, all right? The whole passage is three verses, so don't, don't get panicky on me. Here we go. All right, here it is. Three really short verses, by the way, too. Um, Colossians chapter 1 and... Ah, there we are. 
The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, we read through it really quick, and we go, okay, what does that mean? All right, so let's walk through it verse by verse. The Son, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Um, Now, here's where we struggle a little bit, okay? Um, Hebrews chapter 1 says image as the idea of an exact representation of God. Um, Here's what's interesting. Man was made in the image of God, okay? Jesus is not in the image of God. Jesus is the image of God. And that's a big difference. We were created with some of the, the kinds of things that were important to God, like creativity and, and choice and things like that. Whereas Jesus is an exact representation of God. Now, the culture, remember I told you the Greeks started bringing stuff in? One of the things that they brought in is that Jesus wasn't God. They said what happens is, in order to explain evil, and Jesus, because they could not understand how God could be in a human form. They couldn't wrap their heads around that, because in their minds, human material was evil. So they couldn't go spiritual and an evil form together. So they came to this whole idea of, you know, okay, there's like evil, there's like God, and then there's all these little emanations and emanations and emanations, and then and then you get on this end of it, it's Jesus. You get on that end of it, it's, 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 man, it's uh, man, okay? Um, here's the idea. Anybody ever watch, um, what was the show, Price is Right or whatever it is? Plinko? Remember Plinko? Remember they start that little thing and they go beep, 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 and they try to land it at, at a slot for money, okay? That's basically, think of a big Plinko board. That is what the Greek people believed. They're like, okay, you start up here and you go, dee, 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 Jesus. And then you go, dee, 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 dee. Man, evil, sin. That's the way they kept them way, way, way apart. The problem is, if Jesus is not God, how's your sin taken care of? So they're denying the deed of Christ. So Paul comes out and he goes, look, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, there are some religions, um, some cult religions that teach that Jesus was created. All right? And you go, oh, well, you know, I mean, come on, Colossians right there, it says the firstborn over all Christians. There are two ideas with firstborn. One is physical, and one is representative-wise. And let me explain it to you this way. The Bible's full of ideas, of the ideas of you, you see the firstborn physically, okay? I am the oldest, and I'm the firstborn child in our family. So physically, I am the firstborn. But you see a lot of stories in the Bible, like Jacob and Esau, where it wasn't, it was the other son, the nextborn son, who got the rights of the firstborn. So it was first, firstborn from the idea of, of rights and responsibilities and everything else. You go, why isn't it talking about birth? Because it's going to tell me later, he is before all things in verse 17. It's not about created. It's not about he was born from God. He says, look, he's the firstborn. Here's what that means. He has the right to everything. He owns it. They, he, he is the owner of it. And then he's going to go on, and notice what he said. For in him all things were created. 
Notice, here's the phrase, in him and then through him and for him. See those little phrases? Okay, that's the breakdown of this verse. For in him all things were created. You know what he's saying here? He's saying he is creator. He's the one who created. We're talking about Jesus now. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all three in one. God created, Jesus created. That's what he, Paul's arguing. So Paul's going, it's not like a Plinko board. Jesus is up there at the top with God. They're one and the same. In him, all things are created. And notice he breaks it down. In heaven and on earth. Visible, invisible. You put that parentheses around something, tell me what is in this planet or off this planet that doesn't fall in those categories. He's covered it all. He said everything there is, he created. He's got it created. And then he breaks it down even further. Thrones, principalities, powers, rulers. There's two ideas. Some say this is one's addressing authority on earth. The other's addressing authority in the unseen world. Um, some say it's all about the unseen world. Look, you and I don't get it, but here's the reality of it. The reality of it this morning, there is an unseen battle happening right now, right here in this place. The last thing Satan wants you to do is to take anything that's said today from the Word of God and apply it to your life. You don't want that. He don't want that tomorrow. He doesn't want that the next day. Doesn't want if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, there is an unseen battle for your soul this morning. You and I can't see it, but Paul addresses this idea of this unseen world. It is real. It is very, very real. Rabbit trail. Boop, boop. Rabbit trail. The Bible says, be simple concerning evil. Stay away from that unseen world. Okay? You're just smart to stay away from it. Well, I'm curious. I get this from a lot of teenagers. I'm curious. Don't get curious. Stay away from that unseen world. It is very real. It is very real. Do I fear it? No. Do I respect it? Yes. Because it is unseen, it is real, it is powerful. So stay clear of it, kids. You know, um, in my day, I remember when Ouija boards became popular. You know, um... You know, you're going, did you have one as a kid? Yeah, we ended up getting one at some point. Didn't play it much. I, I, it's, I didn't let my kids buy one. Okay? You know? Um, why? Because that, 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 there's a real world there. Okay? And, and, and don't be messing with that stuff. Okay? Um, here's what he says. He says, but all of that, or authorities, all things will be created through him and for him. In other words, and then he goes in and he says, it was created through him. He's the one that created. And notice the last two words there. What do they say? Created what? Get this. What is it one more time? For him. What was created for him? All things. Okay, get this. Your, you and I were created what? For him. What's our goal? Him. Not us, him. And that's what Paul is arguing. He's saying, look, guys, it's not about you. It's about Christ. Christ at the center of all of it. And then he goes on. Notice what he said. He is before all things. So now we're talking about, again, I go back to verse 15. That doesn't mean he was created in the firstborn sense. Because it's saying here, he's before everything. And in him, all things hold together. Let me ask you a question. How much is held together by Jesus. All. Okay, we get this? 
You're going, yeah, okay, so what? Now let's talk about why it should make a difference for us. First of all, He is creator. Okay, you get that? Yeah, I believe in it. No, 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 no. He is creator. Okay, so he's creator. What does that mean? Here's what that means. Most of you know I like art. I like glass art particularly. I love to play with glass. Glass is just fascinating to me. Um, When I have the opportunity to play with glass, I sit down and I create something. There's a question. What do I create? Why? I create whatever I want because I can. That's exactly right. I get to do whatever I want. Who gets to say, who gets to say in what I make? I mean, unless it's my wife going, will you make this for me? Um, I mean, you know, no, I'm the one that gets to create it. Um, I, I go back, this sits in my office, by the way, because I'm just fascinated with this. <laughs> um, I, I bought this at the Goodwill store, and I paid 50 cents for it, okay? And you know why I paid 50 cents for it? It's the ugliest pot I've ever seen in my life. It really is. But you know what? Somebody created this. And you know how I know somebody created it? Because they were proud enough of this, they wrote their name on the bottom. Kelly created this. I don't know Kelly. If I was Kelly's teacher, I would say, let's look at another career. But here's the thing. Kelly sat down with Clay and made this thing. I mean, it's not even, look at it. Why? It's not smooth. And who puts two handles like that on anything? It's not even like a coffee cup unless you drink it like this. I mean, the handles are supposed to be sideways, not like this, not look like two big flapping ears. (laughs) But here's the thing. Kelly could do whatever she wanted. Because Kelly created this. You know what? This didn't have any say in the color, in the design, in the shape, in the way, in, the, in, in who bought it, in who used it, in what it was sold for. It had zero say. Why? Because Kelly was the creator. She got all of that say. Listen, when we genuinely believe what Paul talks about here, that God is creator, you know what that means? As the Old Testament says, I'm the, po- I, I'm the clay, you're the potter. That means that God, as creator, has a right to do whatever he wants to do in our lives. You don't get a say. Why? Because he's the creator. He gets to call the shots. You go, well, I don't, I don't like that. I don't think that what I'm going through right now is fair. And I don't think that, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. You're the pot. You're the cup. You're the creation. Job and God got into it one day. And Job started going, God, I don't understand why all this has happened and this shouldn't be happening. And you know how God silenced Job? 
He said, uh, question, question, question for you. Time out, time out, time out. I know, I know what you're going to say, but time out, time out, time out. Where were you when I created the world? Because I, I don't remember you being there. I, I don't remember you having a say in how this thing all turns out, Joe. Time out. Where were you, Joe? When I hung the stars, where were you? And Job finally comes to the conclusion. He goes, okay, and I, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, okay, God, you know, whatever. I'm, it's your call. It's your call. You see, I think sometimes we forget this. And so we start looking at our lives going, well, I deserve this, and I go to deserve this, and I got let me explain this to you. You don't want what you deserve. You may think you do, but you don't. You're not a person in, do you understand that the poorest person sitting in this room right now lives better than 80% of the world? Come on. We've been given a lot. And yet, at times, we become a bunch of whiny clay pots going, oh, God, you know, it's so hard on me right now. I'm not minimizing what you're going through, but I'm going, what right do you have if he is creator to do that? And that's what Paul's saying to these people. He's saying, look, guys, you've got to realize God created this thing. And then when God created it, here's the question, why? Basic, why did God create Adam and Eve in the first place? What? Somebody said it. Fellowship. He created them for fellowship. You know what that means? That means God wants a relationship with us. Now, I don't get that. Okay? Because there are days I don't even want to be around me, much less God wanting to be around me. But God created man for fellowship, and part of that was he gave him a choice, and part of that choice meant that man could either embrace God or reject God. And man said, God, thanks, but no thanks. And he turned his back on God, and he followed after Satan. But God in heaven looked at that situation and said, I still want a relationship with him, and I'm going to make a way for it to happen. And if it means I've got to go to cross, it means I've got to wrap myself in human flesh. I've got to live among them, show them how to do it, and die on a cross for their sins. I will do that because I want a relationship with them above anything else. And why God would want that from any of us is beyond me. But God loved us enough. That's what he did. That's what he wanted. And so he, as a creator, and then we're going to talk about this next week, and as a redeemer, stepped into history to say, you know what? I'm going to provide a way whereby I can continue a relationship with them. But sin's got to be taken care of, and I've got to go to the cross to pay for their sin in order to, for, to do that. And God wants that relationship with every one of us. If you're here this morning you don't have it, I beg you, I beg you, it's the most important thing in this world, is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. For those of you who do have it, I want to remind you that he is creator. And then, like he says here, um, in him, all things hold together. You know what that means? All things hold together. He's at the center of it all. He's keeping it all together. Now stop for a minute, because this is where it's going to get really personal. Some of you might get upset, but it won't be the first time I've upset people. So just ask yourself, is it me or is it the Holy Spirit? I'll take the blame for it if you feel better yelling at a person rather than God. But I'll take the blame for it. But here's my question to you. Why is it 
that you allow things to get under your skin to the point that you lose sleep, that it affects your health, that you struggle with even being able to go forward. If you genuinely understand and embrace the idea that God's at the center of the whole thing. Why? I mean, if you genuinely believe in the supremacy of Christ, the idea that Jesus is at the center, he's holding it all together, then here's what it means. Whatever comes into my life as creator, as someone who cares about me, as someone who wants a relationship with me, it means that God will work it all out. Not maybe my way, but it's not about me. Everything's for him. He's using me to work out his plan, his purposes, his way. And here's what I see. I see Christians who forget this. And we forget the idea that God's in control, that Christ is involved in our lives, that he wants a relationship with us, that he's creator, he has a right to do what he wants to do. And so something happens, and we get all bent out of shape. And the next thing you know, I mean, look, look, do I like the direction our country's headed? No. Do I like the things that are happening out, out, out in the world of politics? No. Do I lose sleep over it? No. Because my confidence is not in the politics and the system and the direction of our country. My confidence is in the supremacy of Jesus Christ, who's holding it all together, who's going to work out his plan and his purposes his way. Does that mean I don't get involved? No. Just like, you know, I mean, you know, my buddy's got cancer. Does that mean he just sits back and goes, hey, whatever, you know, no, 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 no. We go to, goes to the cancer center, we do the treatments, we talk to the doctors, we do everything that we can do, but ultimately, Jesus is in control. Jesus is in control of it. You know? But some of us, you know, something goes south health-wise, and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, we're, we're, we're off the deep end as far as everything that's going on in our lives because we're so worried about it. I, I watch people finances. I mean, you know, the market goes up and down, and you know, gee, you know, they get they get nuts over that stuff. I watch people who are working for retirement, and you know, here's a question you got to wrestle with: How much is going to be enough? Because let me tell you what I've learned, what I've observed. Here's what I've observed: If you're going to put your confidence in an amount, God will have a way to say you know what, your confidence needs to be in me, so let's rattle that cage a little bit. See, we, we get to this idea that we forget Jesus is in control of stuff. Your health, your kids, your family, your job, your money, everything. Jesus is at the center. And we've got to get back to the point of putting our confidence and trust in the fact that you know what? It's not taking Jesus by surprise. Whatever came into your life this week, last week, a month, last year, two years, three years, whatever it is, God isn't up in heaven going, oh, man, I didn't see that one coming. And yet we think he is sometimes because we don't understand. He's at the center of it all. That's what Paul said. Paul said, look, you really want to grow? You really want to grow? then the first thing you've got to wrestle wrestle with is the idea of, is Jesus in control or not? We say he is, but we don't live like it. 
And when something comes down that rattles our cage, we, we, go, we, we, we just can't handle it. But if we learn to keep our trust and confidence in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ and the fact that he's at the center of it all, I'm not saying the problem goes away, but you will handle it much differently. I'm not saying you, don't, you, you still won't be concerned about it, but you won't be losing sleep on it every single night, night after night after night after night after night. And we've really got to get back to this idea that, you know what? We are not in control. And I don't know if you figured that out yet or not. Here's what I've learned. Control is an illusion. Oh, you know what? It's raining. If anybody has your windows down, it would probably be a good time to go put them up. Uh, but, um, you know, some of you are going, oh, okay, yeah, I need to go do that. How do I leave? Just get up and leave, you know. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll put it in the bulletin next week. Um, no. <laughs> Here's the idea. Look, we've really got to wrestle with this idea we're not in control. God is, and control for you and I is an illusion. We think we're in control. I've been at this a long time, and here's one thing I've learned. Here's one thing I have learned. You have today. And you better make the most of today. Because I watch people make plans. Retirement, money, um, you know, this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and that day never comes. Because you're not in control. And it could all end tomorrow. So you had better take the day that you have. Embrace it. Understand God is in control. And live it to its fullest. And half of the things we spend our time worrying about never happen. Some have estimated as high as 90% of the things you worry about today are never going to happen. Wasted. There's a little deal. If you, I should post it on my Facebook thing, but there's a little bitty deal on. They use um, what do they use? M and M's or marbles or whatever else to illustrate life. And it's fascinating when you realize how little time we have, and how much we spend on 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 stuff that doesn't matter. And some of you are worrying about stuff. Because you're not putting your confidence in trust. You're trusting Jesus for your salvation, but you won't trust him for the stuff that's coming into your life on a regular basis. I'm not saying you don't plan for retirement. I'm not saying you don't save for retirement. I'm not saying you don't don't do that. But I am saying this. You don't put your confidence in that stuff. You don't put your confidence in stuff that's not going to be around, that can change on a dime. You've got today. And for some of you, okay, now I'm going to get really, if I haven't ticked you off yet, I'm still working on it. But here's my point. The way some of you treat your spouses and the things you say, believe me, I've dealt with people who said things they regret and they never got another day to correct it. I've dealt with people who have never made things right with family members and lost the opportunity. You don't want to be that person. 
you have today with your spouse. Value it, treasure it. Don't minimize the day you have. Because I see people that don't do that. And we say things to our spouse that we should never say to another human being on this planet. And for some reason we think it's okay because they'll understand, and that's not right. And I want to beg you, I beg you, beg you, you've got today. You make the most of today. Because there's not a one of us in here that's guaranteed we got tomorrow. But we have today. And whatever it is that's in you, that's working on you, that's been eating away at you, if you're a believer here this morning, why don't you let Christ take care of it? Why, why don't you do that? The, again, you know me in country music. I know some of you love it. That's, that's your problem. That's not my problem. Not a country music person if you are God bless you. Good luck with that. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm a 70s rock and roll Chicago Boston guy. So that's my deal, all right? And that's my issue. I'll deal with it. But here, here's the thing. You know, years ago there was that song that came out, Jesus Take the Wheel. Remember it? Those of you who know what I'm talking about, Jesus Take the Wheel. You know what the problem with that song is? You know what the problem with that song is? It's a great song if you like country music. You know what the problem with that song is? You should have never had the wheel in the first place. If you're living with the idea that Jesus is the center and supreme in all that I do, Jesus always has the wheel. I'm glad that you real that in the song she realizes I've got the wheel and I need to give it to Jesus. But it would have been a much better way to live to never taken the wheel away from Jesus. And some of you this morning need to take the stuff that you're wrestling with and give it back. Because the reason you're struggling is because you should have never had it in the first place. Not if you genuinely believe that Jesus is at the center of it all. And that everything that I do points to him. Because he's creator. He's the firstborn. He's the image of God. He has the right to my life. Everything that should in him, through him, for him, everything in my life should reflect him. And that stuff that I'm carrying around that I'm losing sleep over, that I'm all bent on a shape over, you know what? I need to give it back to him. Because I'm carrying something he never intended me for to carry. So my prayer for you goes something like this. Jesus is at the center of this thing we call life. He also wants to be the center of your life as well. He is in control. As a believer, you trust him for your eternal destiny. Trust Him with the daily events in your life as well. Because everything is for Him, not for us. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, we all struggle here. Lord, we all lose perspective. Lord, it's so easy to do. So Lord, just help us to kind of keep this thing in the back of our head this week. That the things that we are dealing with, the things we are struggling with, have not taken you by surprise. That, Lord, you have a plan and a purpose. That, Lord, even the, the stuff where Satan has got in and messed stuff up, Lord, you can take and you can bring glory and honor and you can bring yourself into those pictures where people are able to see Christ. 
Lord, use us. Lord, sometimes we, we lose our perspective and we think it's about us. And Lord, we, we adopt these attitudes and these outlooks, Lord, that are, that, that are not pleasing to you, so help us. And Lord, for those folks here this morning, if they've been carrying around some really heavy stuff, Lord, would you start them on a journey today to help them to realize that, Lord, you want to be at the center of it. And you can take some of that burden and some of that worry and some of that fear. And, Lord, you can help them with it as well. So use us this day, and we'll give you the honor and glory and the praise in all of it. These things we ask in your name. Amen.